0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Laura Donnelly. And I'm Jill Handley. And this is season five, episode seven, Engaging Every Family. Principle number two, communicate effectively and build relationships. So last week, we discussed principle number one, a culture that engages every family because we know the starting point of anything, anything is contingent upon a great culture. Today, we are going to be sharing strategies from principle number two, communicate effectively and build relationships. And we're sharing a lot. A whole lot. There are so many gold nuggets in this chapter. So it starts with a quote from a father that is the epitome of why it's important to build relationships and communicate effectively. And the quote says... They expect me to go to school so they can tell me my kid is stupid or crazy. They've been telling me that for three years, so why should I go and hear it again? They don't do anything. They just tell me my kid's bad.
1: Wow. That, whew. I know we talked a couple weeks ago about how, you know, the families feel, feel some way about the school, the schools think, you know, have think the parents are apathetic, uh, so it gets in that vicious cycle. But like when you hear that, like, wow, I could just hear this father. Just that was heartbreaking to hear like that. Because in my other ear, I'm thinking like, I wonder what the teacher's version of that would have looked like.
0: Well, and also, if you can probably think right now in your school, if you think about a kid that year after year, he's a behavior issue or she's a behavior issue. If the, the parent summarized parent-teacher conferences, would that be their summary? Well, Perhaps, and that's that's a reality. So, or if you ask them,
1: "How's the family engagement at your child's school?" Ugh, is that is that going to be their is that going to be their summary? That's a hard one to swallow.
0: It really is because I can think of a few kids just off the top of my head that if their parent had to summarize their parent communication, it it would probably be that because it's you know that's the time when we're reaching out the most and, but that's what we're trying to change. Right. And all of this, I've really appreciated the feedback that we've gotten about our vulner- vulnerability because without that, if we were not real with you and we're like, Oh yeah, ours is perfect. We've never <laughs> had that happen. We'd be lying to you. Right. We've all, we all have worked in a school, so we've all had this yes. happen and that's okay. We're all growing from here. So, um, One of the biggest things that we took away from this chapter is that it must be two, two two-way communication. So what are you doing to ensure that every family has a voice at your school? And what's interesting is in principle number one, he talked a little bit, a lot of it about policy that we kind of glossed over because it's from the district perspective, but one of the um, policy changes that they, that he suggested that you ask yourself, does every family have a voice?
1: You know and that's um i know in our and there, there are multiple ways to to gauge that right and we're not really going to talk a lot about that today but i know one of the way our district you know that we try to get parent voice and just one it's just it's called a comprehensive school survey and so that and in your district or your school probably sends out something um, that's asking parents just for some feedback about the school um, and so paying attention to that demographic information is really essential because, you know, sometimes we just focus on the number. Like, let's say you've got 500 kids in your school and you get back, you know, you're focusing on, we got back 170 surveys. Hmm. Well, did you look close enough at those surveys to see whose voices you were capturing? Do they all look like the same parent? That's that's an important thing to, to honor there, particularly if you have a diverse school like like we do, um, you know, wanting to make sure that you're capturing every voice even when what they have to say sounds like that father that we started with, with Laura read.
0: And I'm going to be honest, the first time that I read that, does every family have a voice? I was thinking, "Whoo. Sometimes we don't. As educators, <laughs> we don't want every family to have a voice, right? But that's where we're cha- we're going back to those challenging those limited beliefs and what we actually believe about those parents who are speaking up. So, that was my first reaction. That's vulnerable. <laughs> um, but and it's true. It's, it's real. Some of
1: you are probably thinking, uh-huh, someone got too much voice. <laughs> uh, and, that, and that's a reality, yeah. too, is that, you know, is there an imbalance of voice um, between the, the parent groups at your school?
0: Absolutely. So it goes back to, are you communicating to families or are you communicating with families? And, and that that is a big thing
1: because, you know, so often you know laura and i work with other school leaders as well and, you know when we talk about communication we'll hear like yeah we send out a newsletter and we send out a video and we send out we post on social media and we going on and, on and on and that is amazing it sounds like you are really great at sharing information to families mm-hmm. how, how are they able to kind of get back with you and that's where it stumps up a lot of people. And, and true story. I mean, we're, like Laura just said, we, we're no different. You know, it. we at one time, like the Tutor on Horn, with just all the different media and ways that we are sharing to families, um, but we're always, if we're wanting to get that voice, we have to create opportunities for that two-way. And the other thing we have to be willing to do is be able to hear what families have to say with their voice because sometimes it's it's not favorable but it's like we said you have to know where you're at Mm -hmm. before you can start to make improvements and so even when it's not easy to hear so in the book uh, Dr. Constantino he gives like Laura has mentioned oh my goodness he does such a great job of not only giving suggestions but kind of giving activities and templates and things but one of the activities that, that he focuses on within Principle 2 um, has to do with, uh, it says, what role do communication and relationship play in the success of your students? And I thought this was a really great activity. And so I'm just going to kind of read kind to you the way that you would do it. So what you have is you have a piece of paper, right? You're going to kind of number it one through five, and you're going to kind of make a T-chart, Okay. So within that T-chart, what he says is, he wants you to think of your top five performing students, either you have presently or you've taught in the past, but let's face it, when we think about like our top high flyers, we can probably all quickly think about who they are, okay? Mm -hmm. So you write their name, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. So after you've gotten their names written down, he says on the other side of the T-chart for each of those students, he says, think about your relationship and your communication with their family. Did the family respond? To request for information like you know did they send all the paperwork back in that you asked for at the beginning of the year um, did they call you either when you called them or they call you back did they initiate um, did you try to reach out and call them did they attend conferences and school activities did you communicate regularly or as needed um, did you feel positive about the relationship that you had with the families of these students that you listed um, and would you consider these families engaged And so, right now, even if you're an administrator, like, it's been a while since I've been in the classroom, but I can Mm -hmm. immediately think of five kiddos. And when I say it's been a minute, it's been a long minute. (laughs) Um, But I can think of that, and so I can immediately start to think about what my relationship with those families was like. Then, after you're finished with that, he says, I want you to flip the paper over, do the same thing, one through five, T-chart, and I want you to think about your bottom five performing students. we can probably all quickly go to them as well and he wants you to go through the same questions that we just asked about your high performing schools and making notes about next to each student and once you've completed both sides of the paper your top five your bottom five you, you want to reflect on the following one what similarities and differences are there between the interactions for each set of families two if there are differences, and I'm going to go on a limb to say there are probably differences, why do you think those differences existed? And finally, do you think there is a correlation between the learning outcomes of each set of students and the communication and relationship you had with each of their families? And man, you want to talk about some soul searching mm-hmm. right there. And may you know, maybe not. Maybe, you know, maybe it looked exactly the same and there's another factor, but I'd be inclined to say, because I'm just thinking about my own self uh, when I'm reflecting, and I'll be the first one to say when I think about my low-performing students, even, and gosh, if we're being vulnerable, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind was just literally my level of expectations for the kids when I talk to the families. Like, I think about how with my high performers when I talk with their families, of like, they could just do more, and they're just not doing, and really setting sky was the limit, and I think about my low-performing kiddos. They were making gains. But I don't know that I was setting those same high expectations. It was kind of like, well, you know, yeah, you know, they're making gains, but I don't think I was doing that. Sky is the limit. So right there, I'm already kind of, um, you know, not expecting enough. And that's the message I'm sending to those parents. So that, you know, full disclosure, that's the first
0: thing that comes to mind for me. How about you, Lauren? Well, and well, I was thinking while you're sharing that story, um, when you started you said as a teacher it's been a minute but you could think of those kids but I think even as a leader certain kids come to mind especially as a counselor because I do a lot of home visits so I'm thinking about the people that have reached out because they can't get a hold of the parent or they've been trying remember um, I think it was two episodes ago we talked about well we've tried this and we've tried this mm-hmm. and we've tried this and it's still not working So those are the kids that come to me, right? And then I go to, I used to go do lots of home visits. Um, Now we have some other team in place, so it's not me as much. But thinking about the communication with those families versus other families who were coming up and were coming to events and showing up at school, it's just a stark comparison. And I can tell you without even really analyzing it, the difference in their performance and I just think that this uh, that one activity, if you could choose one activity to do, that is probably the most powerful thing that that we've come across in this book so far. So um, if you've not done that as a teacher or as a leader, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, for sure. And I know lots of administrators, um, you know
1: particularly assistant principals, let's face it. I mean, a lot of that job is behavior, mm-hmm. that reactive behavior. So when we think about you know your your top five families, heck, you might not even have a top five because you're dealing with behavior all the time. So that yeah. might that might be a stretch, but um, but it would be really interesting. I'm with you, Laura. This was this was a man. This was like not even a nugget. Like this is the whole treasure chest <laughs> yeah. right here. This activity because I think it. Um, it has it cause. I think it will cause a lot of soul searching and reflection. And remember, that's what we're after, right? We can't we can't move forward if we don't address and uncover what, what we've got hidden beneath, right? So, one golden nugget. There you go. So here's another one, and and, and he even calls this section. It's the little things, and so. Um, that's what i always love is when it seems like a small thing you can do and do and it's a quick implement and it gives you a big bang for your mm-hmm. buck right and so he he goes into this this um scenario where you know he says every so often he gets the opportunity to stay in like these really posh five-star hotels and if you've ever stayed in one of these hotels you know that when you go to the closet um you know to open up there are all these wooden hangers and there's often like this beautiful like plush robe that you just want. To, like, I think Julia Robertson pretty woman. Like, that's what I think of, right? Um, and he says, you know, when you go to get that, it has this this, you know, like a nice little card or a placeholder or something and, and the language is just, you know, so sweet. It just says we are pleased to provide this robe for your use while um, a guest in our hotel. If you would like to purchase the robe, they are available in our gift shop. Just so, so nice, right? He says, but you know what they're really trying to say, right? don't steal the rope. And so I, that made me laugh because he said, um, that's really what they're wanting to say, but they're not saying that, they're using a more subtle tone and kind of a classy way. And so then he wants us to reflect on, so like, well, we know what we want to say to families, but how do we say it? And these are some examples. And he said, you know, how often, and I want you to be thinking about this, does your school have any of these messages? Warning, trespassers will be prosecuted. No skateboarding, no running, no motorcycles. All visitors must report to the main office. This parking lot is for faculty and staff only. Your presence is being recorded. Now again, <laughs> those are not so subtle, right? So so think about, you know, a different way that you could you could frame those. And you just kind of, you know, kind of turn that language around. For example, Welcome to our school. We're glad you're here. Please sign in our main office. This way. Like, To me, it's a, it, it feels it feels so mm-hmm. much it feels so much different. Or thank you for being here today. We appreciate it. Come back soon. <laughs> and that's over like the sign out, like when people are signing out. So that was that was like I love that because those are just a few little things to do a quick check on that. And then it goes into another, like, you're going to say, here you go, Jill, talking about semantics again, <laughs> a little bit, but he kind of talks about the difference between the approach you take when you see people who enter your school as visitors or as guests. He said, do you see that as the same? Like are visitors and guests, the same thing normal we talked about is, um, school, does school um, involvement and school engagement mean the same thing? No. Well, he goes on to say that in his opinion, visitors and guests aren't the same thing. He says, and Disney doesn't see it that way either. And You know, Disney's especially affectionate for us because we've been focusing on the magic mm-hmm. that comes from that. But he says, um, it, when he gives the Disney example, he said, guests are those who have an open invitation and for, the, and for whose arrival and visit we plan to ensure a positive experience. A visitor, however, is someone we do not invite or for which we do not plan with the
0: hope that they won't stay long. So, I was like, oh. And I said, hmm, I bet we could classify some families as visitors and some families as guests, right? And that is a a reality that we need to check. It really, really is. Um, So, yeah.
1: It just like those little bitty nuggets, but it has some really big think abouts. Um, and so something else I'm telling you all this, this chapter is ever, like Laura and I were planning for this and we're like, Oh,
0: Oh, there's another, like, Oh, we've got to share that. That's so good. There's so much.
1: Um, but, and we, you, we've talked a lot about just beliefs and how, you know, families believe versus schools believe. And I think that one of the things we can't state enough is perception is reality. And he says, perceived value plays a huge role in whether or not relationships to support students will be fruitful. It is never about your intention as the school. It is always about the perception as a family. Um, and I'm just going to read a few more things because, man, when I read them to myself, like, they really got me. He says, No matter what links we try to go to to improve family engagement, without a real relationship built on trust and honesty, the efforts will probably fall short. And then he went on to say, We know that we cannot fix socioeconomic disparities because, let's face it, a lot of us are working in high-need schools, Right. But we can convince every family, regardless of their station in life, that they have value and they are truly needed to complete the circle of people that will successfully educate their children. Mm-hmm. God, that was, that was, that one was heavy. Because again, we we know, you know, so many of our families have that poor experience as a student themselves. Um, school's a scary place for them, a place they don't want to be. And so it's our job to, not, to change that perception for them, to not only change that, but to empower them to know that they have value and that they have to be part of the team for their child to be successful. And then the last thing he says on this page is page 87. He says, if family... Oh, man, this is so good, y'all. If family engagement is truly a priority for schools then building successful relationships with all families should be at or near the top of the list of goals, as opposed to being relegated to the deathly, if we have time. Mm. Uh, and Laura, I know back in season one, you had talked about with the district, um, you know, kind of needing to prioritize, but, you know, I, I uh, guilty as charged. Like, I think We often go into it, again, we know how important it is, but sometimes it feels like, oh, that's just one more thing to do, or I've already tried that,
0: or I'll get to that. But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so when Jill was talking about, you know, making families feel valued, being welcoming, um, one of the other things that he suggested was when, when you're offering important events, offer them more than once on various days and at various times so that families have an option for participation because let's face it not everybody has the work the same work schedule that everybody can get to you when you have that one event and if it's so important that they have to come and you offer it one time and they're not able to come well then what are you providing information for those who can't come Um, are you looking for alternative meeting sites that are not in the school and I remember. When we read this a few years ago, and I read that um, about offering alternative meeting sites, I was like, why have we never done that? Like when we have our big family nights where we were talking about data, and um, families were getting to meet with teachers and set goals for their kids. Well, what if a kid, a family couldn't come to that? Then what? I think we sent the folder home or something. Mm -hmm, mm but we didn't offer sessions in the community. We didn't reach out to the family to reschedule. There were so many missed opportunities with that, and so I can't wait to do some of those things going forward. For example, um, with like Chromebook distribution, could we have done some of that in the community so our families, can we do that if we need to do that going forward? Yes, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm so excited to take all that we've learned and apply it as we move forward
1: and what we will say is that we've even started this year kind of establishing that kind of um, understanding with our staff because as you all have heard us talk about you know two years ago we saw this need. this and we kind of started engaging in this book and we saw this need is bigger than what we as an administrative team can do yes. bigger than what teachers can do alone and so we created a family ambassador position and On our first staff day back this year, uh, we we kind of celebrated around Dave Burgess's book, shout out Dave, um, for Teach Like a Pirate. So we had a real pirate theme, but so um, our, our staff went out on a, on a treasure hunt and all kinds of great stuff, but we were intentional, our family ambassador was intentional with the stops that they made. She's developing partnerships with local community centers, like Laura was talking about mm-hmm. out in the community, because let's face it, we always want to be able to provide our families with resources, but more importantly, we want to help them be able to utilize the resources in the communities when schools closed. I mean, you know, let's face it. And, and when they leave Kenwood, uh, mm-hmm. we want them to be able to, it's that whole, you know, teach a man to fish kind, yes. of, it's kind of adage. And so that was really something that we intentionally did this this summer. And so our family ambassador did such a great job. Of, and, and you'll hear from her later this season. Boy, is that gonna be a treat. You've heard from her already in season <laughs> one, but you're going to, she's, she's gonna be back again. Um, and she's quite the entertainment. But just the response from our fan, or from our staff was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize this community center did all mm-hmm. this, or oh, I'm so glad I went here because now when a family calls me or reaches out and says they can't do this, I can refer them here. Yes. And so to Laura's point, one, we've kind of opened it up. Two, we're starting to develop partnerships with these community centers so that now we can empower our families and, and, and be go to them and not always expect mm-hmm. them to come to us.
0: And families can utilize their services when we're not there. So it really is um, a win-win all the way around. One of the things that um, he, Dr. Constantino shares in um, this chapter is school actions that can promote mistrust and parent actions that can promote mistrust. And we, we had to share these with you. So the school actions that can promote mistrust, this is what he shared inaccurate information out of date information or lack of information on school websites or in other form of forms of communication that breeds mistrust, right? Teacher websites that are unused or unhelpful lack of follow through. That's a huge one follow through is the biggest way a lack of follow through is the biggest way to to make anybody mistrust you right whether it's teachers other staff members families um practices and procedures that are limiting to families so no visit policies no volunteers needed no volunteers needed or wanted right um discipline issues I think that's going to be a common thread um, throughout family engagement conversations. And then lack of involvement in decisions that happens. There's that voice again. Like, are you getting parent voice? And then parental actions that promote mistrust, sporadic attendance, uh, patterns of children, um, defensive posture towards school actions, lack of response to school initiated communication, um, defensive or threatening responses to school communication. We've all had that or experienced that, right? Non-attendance to school functions um, and aggressive actions towards schools. And we have likely all had those aggressive actions towards schools as well. The thing that's the hardest to remember in that moment and the thing that is, it really is the easiest to forget is that it's never about us, right? never about us i mean
1: sometimes it's about i mean it, like sometimes we've we've caused that mm-hmm. distrust because we've we talked about, been a trigger yeah we've talked about that cycle of disengagement uh-huh. so oftentimes we've created that trigger but to laura's point it's not about us personally mm-hmm. it's it maybe an action that we've created um but it's not it's not about us and i think that's oftentimes where um, you know, I remember before I before I entered the education field, I worked in customer service for a long time, and I remember that was that was on the phones for customer service, and I remember boy could people be mad at you, you know, through the phone. Um, and I remember that was one of the first things they taught you is that you have to listen with an ear that they're not mad at you, they're mad at a situation, mm-hmm. and the moment that you take that and and eliminate the personal attack you can listen with, with a more respectful ear and, and understanding and empathetic ear. And
0: that's a difficult place to be, but a place to aspire to be, right? And he also says this, and I'm not sure what page he says on, but we were, we were looking
1: earlier, but he, God, this is so powerful. When he says that, remember, oftentimes anger is a mask for fear. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. I mean, I can relate that not only to this episode, not only to education, but to life. When I think mm-hmm. about even my own self, oftentimes when we are fearful about something it comes across as angry um just so that we can mask that that fearfulness yeah i think that was when he was
0: talking about some of the little things that you do yeah
1: and that and you know and that's that's so true for parents and i think that when you the next time you have an angry parent or grandparent or any family member come in because let's face it we're all going to have to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I challenge you to think through a different lens of, hmm, I'm wondering what it is that they're so fearful of that, that's creating such an angry reaction. And I'm not going to take it personal. Go into it with those two lenses, and I promise you, you'll be able to hear what
0: the parent is saying. So, as families come into school, we know that we want it to be a welp- welcoming environment. But one of the things that he challenges us to do is an activity called getting to the destination. So basically, you go outside and you are gonna walk into the building as if you don't know where everything is. You're gonna kind of take it all in. So what are the signs that you see? Could you get to the office without knowing where it is? Like, are there clear signs? If you're going to a meeting, would you know what the procedures are to sign in, all of those things. Would you know what to do if you were not, if you did not work in the building? And then he asked you to do the, um, the same activity a second time, but pretending like you do not speak English, like that's not your primary language. And could you get to the same things? Could you get into the front office, know where it is, know how to sign in, all of those things, if you didn't speak English? I'm going to be willing to bet that. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he offers a
1: really great <laughs> checklist um, that kind of has a lot of different descriptors of things mm-hmm. specifically to look at. And again, you know, look at, you know, I would encourage you, do it yourself. Have have different, heck, that'd be a great staff, you know, faculty Absolutely. meeting, like, like, a, like a, a, a warm-up to the staff meeting is, and maybe, you know, different areas of the building. You know there's one team that does the front of the building there's another team that is you're going to a classroom with a lot le- whatever but i think that would be very eye-opening mm-hmm. for families because a lot of what you think and then when you kind of split the script and look at it through the lens of someone who doesn't know mm-hmm. what you know yeah it becomes a it,
0: yeah it really well even in our building i'm uh-huh. thinking like sometimes people knowing like i held the door open today for a family and it was confusing where the office was just because of where the vegetable is mm-hmm. and then you go in not vegetable, vegetable. <laughs> vegetable <laughs> yes. um so even in our building i think we've got some things some work to do yeah
1: i know one of the things that is on that checklist he talks about if if a parent needs translation services um, do you have a way for them to identify that or do they always have to ask and i was like oh so yeah so like I said, like Laura said, you know, we are practitioners. We still have room to grow. And we were talking about while, you know, we've done a lot of things because we understand the importance of the environment, particularly when they first walk mm-hmm. in, um, what message that sends, we've not used this checklist, and so I'm excited for us yes. to, to, to engage in this and to see how we can propel the good things we've already got going even, even further. Um, and so talking about things like this checklist, um, he, he kind of also gives some some basic customer service tips. And he says, you know, both the the culture walk, you know, the the uh, getting to your destination, and then these tips I'm going to share, kind of, you know, talks about those as low-hanging fruit. These are some things that you can do quickly, cost you nothing, um, but can help have a huge impact on the welcoming feel that families have as you're working on communicating effectively and building relationships. And so just a couple of these basic customer service tips have to do with he talks about first is the 10 second rule. He says when someone enters your school office, um, don't let them wait for more than 10 seconds before they're acknowledged. Now, we realize if your office is like ours, particularly at the beginning of the year, it is popping. Mm-hmm. And so, we're not saying you have to wait on everyone in 10 seconds, but just being acknowledged. I think about myself. Like, if I've ever gone to a restaurant or a store, and, and they see me, and they don't say anything, they just keep on going, and then they walk past me again, and all I keep thinking is, I know you see me standing there, <laughs> but the difference in my affect if when they're like, ma'am, we'll be right with you, and then if okay good i'm chill i've got you you Uh see me i know you see me i know you're busy so just that i just think about myself and the whole customer service like that's a big deal so just acknowledging people um we're so glad you're here we'll be right with you if you want to have a seat over here or whatever that looks like Uh, another one he talks about is you know how are you answering your phones and so we've been we've been uh i read something else this summer and i'm really anxious and we've not changed over yet but you know just um it's a great day at Kenwood Elementary. How may I help you? Or, you know, it's always a ma- it's always magical at Kenwood. How can I help you? Or, you know, I've heard lots of school, you know, Kenwood Elementary, um, School of Excellence. How may I help? Just something that has that positive presupposition when people, they hear that. And it's like, oh, oh, wow. Again, everything I'm going to say, I relate to an experience I've had. If, if you've called a place, mm-hmm. you know, think about the difference in... Um, how can I help you? You know, kind of like that it reminds me of, um, what was that,
0: Monsters, uh, Inc.? What's uh, her name? Yes. Uh,
1: Mar- not Marge.
0: Uh, what? Something like yeah, that. I think but, it is Marge. But,
1: you know, just wah, wah, <laughs> Wazowski. That kind of a thing versus like, it's oh, here's a great example. When I, go to, when I go to Cane's, right, if you, if you have a Cane's where you're at, like you walk up, you go to their their, their draft through and they say something like, uh, what's kicking or what's kicking for chicken or something like that, like, or, you know, what's clucking today or something. And it just gets me laughing and so I'm like, oh, yeah, let me order here. So, again, just kind of getting that, that, that good vibes going. Um, the other one is the warm transfer if you're if you there's nothing worse and gosh I can really relate to this a customer service when you spend all this time and you know The person in front of the office answers the phone and then the person that's parents just starts oh, I had this problem they go into the whole problem and then they're like um, well You're really gonna need to speak with dr. Donnelly and so then the parents are like um, I've just spent five minutes telling you the whole problem now. I have to tell it all again and warm transfer dr. Donnelly I have miss Hanley on the phone. She's Madison's mom Um, And she was sharing with me concerns she's had about Madison on the playground. So, I'm going to go ahead and transfer you just so they feel Mm -hmm. heard and it doesn't feel like you're starting all over again.
0: Just how frustrating is that when you go to the doctor's office and you have to tell the lady up front when you call, you got to tell the nurse, then you got to tell the doctor and they all ask you the same questions.
1: That was exactly the example I was thinking of because, in fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I asked. I asked the nurse one time, or no, I asked the doctor one time, because I was just kind of frustrated, partially, partially because I wanted to know, like, if you're going to ask me again, why did I just tell the nurse all this? And she said, I know it sounds funny, but sometimes people don't always, not that you're lying, but like you'll forget something Mm -hmm. from one to the other, and so they do that intentionally just to ensure that, you know, you're not... Not that you're not forgetting anything, but that they're getting all the accurate information about you so um, the other one that that he calls it a CEO check-in, um, and he says, you know every day we're getting concerns from families. Um, and so he says, he suggests for them to keep a log of those and at the end of the week, the CEO, whatever you know, I even want that to be, um, should pick two or three of those calls and call the, pa- the parents or families just to kind of call them back and just say like, hey, I noticed you called earlier in the week. Just wanted to make sure that you, you know, it, it, the whole issue got resolved for you. You feel, I was like, hmm. Remember how we've talked about like when families don't come? We said that another one you follow mm-hmm. up with, hey, I noticed you weren't an open house. Uh, what was going on with that? So that was, I thought about how, um, not that survey, you know, how when you have a and someone calls you back and wants you to take a 12, not that, but just like, wow, I was really hurt. That, that Mm -hmm. feels really valid. Um, and the, and the final one, um, is just, um, a simple thank you. I mean, let's face it, um. That, and that's not like, thank you, you're welcome, but just kind of that positive phone call to where you're not calling for any other reason, you're not calling for a but just kind of like, you know, I just want to call and say thank you for sending your child to my class. I enjoy having them, and, you know, she's such a creative thinker. Um, kind of that positive, no, you know, some people call this like the good phone call or the or the good reach out or something like that, to, and it doesn't have to be the classroom teacher. It can be, hey, let me tell you who I think should be doing it. The APs. Mm-hmm. The APs who are always dealing with that reactive yes. that reactive behavior. Set up a protocol to where they get to make that good phone call home. Um, because one, it'll make the, the families feel... I mean, think about it. If you're a parent, wouldn't you love to get a phone call? I just want to reach out and tell you what a great job you're... You know, how much I love having your kid at my school. Mm-hmm. That goes everywhere. And plus, it kind of helps balance out the day-to-day of the APs' role when they feel like they're stuck in the, yes. the trenches of discipline Mm -hmm. so so those were just some some really great ideas that i thought um, that he shared And again just some kind of basic low-hanging fruit that Mm -hmm. don't cost anything it'll get you a lot of bang for your buck so you've heard some really great tips right and we could really go on and on because Mm -hmm. surprisingly this isn't all of them we didn't share all of them from from um, principle number two but we did pick a few and just kind of hopefully got you going with wanting to hear more about that So if you enjoyed this episode, Engaging Every Family, principle number two, communicate effectively and build relationships, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. We'd love to know what burning questions you have about family engagement and anything else you'd like us to discuss during the season. We'd also love to know, what are you doing at your school? to build relationships and communicate effectively. you know Any tips we get, we'd love to shout those out or share those on a future episode. Uh, So send us a message on Twitter or tag us with your ideas using the hashtag BeTheLeaderYouDeserve. Now, if this is your first episode, uh, we encourage you to go back and start at the beginning of season five. We also encourage you to check out seasons one, two, three, and four, uh, because we'd love to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get automatic episode updates every Friday morning, right about the time Getting your coffee, um, or your tea, or your whatever you're drinking in the morning. Your diet Mountain Dew, diet Coke. I see you, McDonald's Coke. Um, uh, but thanks for uh, get those updates on being the leader you deserve. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get more frequent updates, quotes, and inspiration to carry you throughout the week. Laura and I also post on our personal accounts, so go ahead and follow and check those out as well. And finally, uh, please take a moment to leave us an honest review and rating on Apple Podcasts. They really do help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and we seriously make a point to read every single one of the reviews that we get. All right, leaders, we've given you lots of great things, so we look forward to hearing from you. Go forth. Um, If you're still in the beginning of the schools, we still see Mm -hmm. you um, continuing to build that culture at the beginning of school because we know how important it is. So have a great week and don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve and what am I doing about it?